For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is game week. Got AG, Vinny Hardy in here, Aaron Gershon, Vinny Hardy. Another episode of Believe in Kentucky is always brought to you by Believe.com, Believe Podcast Network, the number one content network for professionals. Get this podcast anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Asia Blue, our good friends over there, put this episode up on their site, so check it out. Any of those places. We've been grinding through the summer. Look, Aaron has been putting out <laughs> stuff on the cat's paws. The the countdown is almost over. The top one yeah. players. I just wrote the last one today, and it was fun. But I'm so glad it's done. That's a lot. Of, that was a lot of work. <laughs> the cat's paws, y'all. We've been knowing about the cat's paws our whole life. Oscar Combs started it. That's who Aaron writes for. Have you had a lot of pushback on some players? Were like, man, this guy's too high. This guy's too low. Why you got him ranked yeah. here? Or a, cu- a couple, a couple, not pretty, pretty positive overall. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It was more toward the bottom of the list. Uh, actually, our guy, Jalen Whitlow, who we'll hear from a lot more coming up, uh, he got some complaints that he was even on the list. I'm like, oh, come on, <laughs> starting quarterback. You got to give him, got to give him some love. And that was all the way down at 94. So like, uh, it's funny how it was more the lower guys. And I think Someone got upset that Taven Richardson was over somebody and then that Avery Williamson was in the 40s. But the only reason Avery Williamson was in the 40s is because I only counted what they did under Stoops. So that's one season sample size. Mm -hmm. So if it I mean, if you had taken his whole UK career, obviously he shoots up the cannon, but uh, only one year under Stoops, which was a really good year. Uh, But I kind of lean toward the guys who did multiple years or had multiple years of stats. Kind of the outlier in that is Wondell Robinson, uh, who I did number six. But he had the best receiving season in the history of the program. There's nowhere else to really put him other than the top ten. And uh, six is where I felt was the best spot. Exactly. And Jalen Whitlow was here when it was rock bottom. You had (laughs) two and ten under Joker and then two and ten under Stoops. So he – he saw some lean days while he was here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably uh, – I know he's really excited about how, how this program has evolved. And, uh, you know, he got to see Stoops in the early days. But uh, I wonder – it's got to be pretty hard to believe just how much this program's changed uh, in 10 years. And that was uh, 10 seasons ago for Whitlow. And as we enter year 10 for Stoops now with expectations of pretty much a division championship or bust. Yeah, absolutely. So with that said, like we talked about, it's it's finally game week. Uh, The depth chart came out. Were there anything that stood out to you on there or anything jumping Mm -hmm. out at you? Yeah, just a couple. Uh, I thought 
uh, it was pretty surprising that Kvasi Smoke is going to be the start. And we knew Chris Rodriguez was going to be out. Uh, I figured it would be the Ramon Jefferson or Juton McLean starting, not Kavasi Smoke. And obviously, Smoke is the most experienced guy in that room at Kentucky. Ramon Jefferson, probably the most experienced guy overall. But, at, I mean, Smoke has had over a 1,000 yards in his career. But the problem with him was he was all the way – during the spring game, he was working with the fours and the fives. I mean, Lavelle Wright was ahead of him. And that that was the trend we saw at the open practice in the spring. And then uh, during the fan day practice, which was entirely open, he was with the threes and the fours. So it's pretty surprising uh, that he worked his way up to the one spot. Um, you know, I actually asked uh, Rich Scarangrillo about him last week and talked to Cavasse one-on-one last week. And it just seemed like they wanted to work on things with his maturity level, uh, taking coaching a little bit better and, you know, trying to get him into a better, better state um, maturity wise and mentally. Uh, I don't think they've ever really doubted his physical abilities. We all know he's a home run hitter. Um, he's only has one fumble in his career. So fumbles haven't been that big of an issue. Uh, it's more finishing plays. Like I, I like to go back to that play against Louisville where he broke a really long run and he kind of started to showboat and he got brought down. Uh, at the four yard line. So uh, I think it was more getting him right off the field, getting his mind right uh, and letting his talent just play for itself. And, you know, to his credit, he's worked his way all the way up to the one spot. So that was the biggest surprise uh, I think for sure. And I think, you know, that's gotta be, I don't know, a new lease on life for him or, yeah, right. Because we talked, you talked about when you you saw. I don't know, was it at Fan Day or one of the scrimmages where he, you heard him say, "Everybody's forgot about me." Yes, that was at uh, Media Day. Media yeah. Day, right? He didn't. There wasn't one reporter that I saw. I mean, I'm not speaking for anyone, so maybe I missed it. But including myself, uh, that talked to him during Media Day. Yeah, so that's for me to see him at the one spot too, I, I kind of thought, you know, Jefferson, we all thought entrance policy when he came in for whatever happened with C-Rod. And yeah, we kind of been told what had happened with C-Rod a few weeks ago and, and with all that other peripheral stuff that's leading him missing time. And so I thought, eh, Jefferson might kind of have the inside track. So to see Smoke I thought so too. have the number one spot, maybe it is kind of like, you know, it was a it was a clean slate for everybody with Scangarello yeah. coming in, and now maybe he is, if I'm him, which look, what my opinion doesn't matter, but he's probably got to be thinking this is a new lease on life. Hey, C. Rod's going through what he's going through, but now this gives him a chance to get out from underneath all the dudes he was under on that depth chart. Yeah, it really is, and it's really impressive. Like like you said, he was underneath so many of these guys, mm-hmm. and he's I guess in the and. Again, uh, fan day practice would have been the first Saturday of August, maybe second. It was like August 6th or something, so yeah. whatever the calendar yeah. falls. And so he was all the way with the threes and fours then. So these last three weeks, he's done something behind closed doors uh, to put himself in this situation. So you just got to tip your cap to that and be really – because, again, he has – we've seen it. He has the, has the potential. He has the home run hit ability. It's just – you know, keeping his mind straight and making the plays he has to and being smart. And apparently he's done all that and you got to give him credit. And I think still Ramon Jefferson is going to factor in, I think. Um, but I will say, I think with Smoke one on the depth chart, one comment that uh, Coach Skangs made last week that was interesting is he kind of said when, you know, when, when Chris is on the field, he's only coming off when he has to. 
Like, it's not going to be a running back, you know, trio like we saw with AJ, Kavasi, and Chris a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So I do wonder if they take that approach with Kavasi where, hey, man, you're the starter. Um, You know, when you have to come off the field, we'll put in Ramon, put in Juton, whatever. Or if they're going to play the, okay, Kavasi, you're the first and second down back, and then we go to Ramon on third, or we mix and match throughout the game. But, but um, it, it's a credit, again, to, to the work he's put in this offseason to, to get himself right for this season. Whatever the case, get you some tape out there, Smoke. When you, yeah. <laughs> when you got the, the reps that are coming your way, Yes. treasure them while you can. Uh, Dane Key, number one at receiver, no surprise there no. based on everything we've seen and heard since he stepped on campus. Yeah, no surprise. <laughs> the guy is a stud. I mean, every time uh, I've seen him pad up play, I've just been more impressed with uh, his ability to get down in the middle of the field and make the dirty work catches. Uh, obviously, he's got pretty good speed at 6'3", which is not all – you don't always get that combination, uh, and I think he's got that. And, again, I think his pedigree – you know, his dad was obviously a defensive back at UK or, or linebacker, um, and then his brother played at – was a defensive back at Western and, you know, spent time with the Chiefs in the NFL. So he comes from a football family. He also had the benefit of being here in the spring, which I think really helped his chemistry with Will um and just getting to know the offense so uh i, I think he's going to be I, I think he's going to be an all sec freshman i really do i think he, as long as he steps healthy uh the sky's the limit for him uh barry on brown another freshman who's going to be starting out receiver uh haven't i mean i all obviously he was kind of a blue chip prospect he was a little higher even ranked than dane was um i haven't gotten to see him play that much but every time i have you know you definitely see the speed you definitely see the not dropping the ball um, you can tell he's uh, beyond his years, uh, route running wise. So um, I, th- I expect pretty good things from him too. But uh, man, that receiver room is really talented. But there's a lot to be proven, and um, mm-hmm. I kind of think with with that position group and then some of the other younger ones, I'm sure we'll touch on here. Uh, it's really important to have a good week one uh, just to build that momentum and confidence. Yeah, and it is. You know, freshman heavy, young guys maybe serving notice to some of the vets uh, that, hey, we're here and, you know, you, you're going to have to earn your yeah. stuff to really beat us out. Uh, sneaky maybe to me, but, you know, Keaton Wade, an outside linebacker, back yeah. J.J. Weaver, uh, you, I think maybe he can get in there and stick his nose in and, and uh, have some impact. It's an insane amount of freshmen on the depth chart. Uh, it really is. And I think that's – I think that goes two ways. One, it speaks on how well – uh, Coach Stoops and Mayero and the rest of the staff has recruited. Uh, I mean, you, you're getting more of these four-star guys, even a five-star guy with Keontae uh, Goodwin in here. You're getting guys who could really come in and play right away. Um, but it also speaks that you lost a lot from a year ago, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it's obviously it, it's a it's two sided. But um, yeah, Keaton Keaton Wade, I think he'll he'll fit in. I think. I don't know if the, I'm sure he's not a guy where they're going to try to keep that four game on him. I think obviously JJ Weaver is going to get the bulk of the snaps there, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but I'm sure he'll get, I'm sure he'll get in rotational reps and I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to hold his red shirt. Uh, I think he's going to really factor in same with Alex Safari in the, in the secondary. I think he's the backup. I want to, I don't know if it's strong safety or free safety off the top of my head. I don't have the depth chart in front of me, um, but yeah, so they're, they're going to be, there's going to be a lot of freshmen playing on both sides of the ball. And, you know, that could, I think that again, it's two-sided, but 
uh, it's really exciting because, you know, the last couple of years here, Kentucky's really tried to or just hasn't had uh, the freshmen that have been ready to step in right away. I mean, I like to go back to that 2019 class where you had JJ, you had Eli Cox, you had um, Demarcus Harris, some some pretty key contributors now who all redshirted that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that ain't the case this year, even last year with uh, Jagger Burton and, uh, who's going to start at right guard, assuming Kenneth Horsey can't go or mm-hmm. left guard, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even guys like that, or David Wallabach who won the starting left tackle job. Yeah. Um, a lot of red shirt freshmen, a lot of true freshmen, uh, they're going to be counted on this year. That's for sure. Uh, and our, you know, we, everybody's right about the tight end room. Our, our guy, Isaiah Epps is you know, kind of got to climb a little bit based yeah. on the dip chart now uh, with Dingle and Upshaw and those guys kind of ahead of him at, at that tight end slide. So. Yeah, that, that one was a little surprising that Cummins was, uh, you know. Uh, I said Epps, uh, my bad. Yeah, like, it's all good. <laughs> my bad. Uh, good luck to him. At, I think he's at Tulsa. He's yeah, got another. Yeah. He's playing again. He's like like his ninth year. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, Isaiah Cummins a little bit, a little bit surprised. Uh, I mean, it, I think it just speaks to the camp that Jordan Dingle said. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't really get to see it that much during during the spring or during the the blue and white game, and we didn't see obviously we didn't see Cummings at all this spring uh, as he was kind of get recovering from that injury he had. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think that probably speaks more of what Jordan Dingle's done than Cummings. Uh, you know, on the depth chart, it's the tight end fullback slot. So Justice Dingle, who's Jordan's older brother, will be the fullback, which is not a surprise. But uh, it seems like just that tight end depth chart, how it's shaked up, uh, that Isaiah's kind of the odd man out uh, in that role. But again, I expect all these guys to be used. I mean, I, I mean, Brendan Bates and Keaton Upshaw are both, you know, the or starters at the other tight end spot mm-hmm. uh, with Josh Caddis behind them. I think Caddis will play too. Uh, I think they're going to, I think that Cummings uh, and Upshaw are probably the, and, and Dingle, those three are probably your pass catchers where Caddis and Bates are your blockers. Um, so I, they'll mix and match. And we heard from Isaiah Cummins. They've even talked about the 14 personnel where you have four tight ends on the field at once. So uh, <laughs> even though he's he is where he is on the depth chart, um, which was a little bit of a surprise, he'll find his way to make a big role. And the coaching staff's really high on him, and so is Will Levis. Yeah. Now you talk about how, and Stoops said himself, and you just echoed it, echoed it of how a lot of guys are going to play, uh, get a chance yeah. to play. So how long do we think this game will be close? And then when you can kind of put more guys <laughs> in when you have a, a comfortable lead, how, what are we yeah. thinking as far as that goes with Miami, Ohio? Well, well, it's, it's very interesting, this game. I mean, look, we know how Kentucky's done in these week one games. Uh, it's been slow out of the gate at times, especially mm-hmm. against the Mac. Uh, yeah. You go back to 2018 against Central Michigan, uh, they're losing that game going into halftime if it weren't for Gunnar Hope coming in and leading a touchdown drive at the end of the half. And then the next year against Toledo, I think it was tied at 14 going into half, if I'm not mistaken. I know it was tied at 14 at one point. So uh, they're always a little bit of slow starts. But the other factor you have is this is a night game. And I think that helps with the crowd. You're going to get a better crowd because it's not going to be as hot. Um, you're not going to have the day drinking all going on and all that. Well, you might, but maybe they'll recover enough to get in the building. Uh, we've already seen, unlike prior years, this game is already almost a sellout. 
Uh, I mean, the last time I checked, the UK only had about 800 or something tickets left. So the crowd is bought in. This fan base really wants this year uh, to be a historic year. They want to take the next step and they're doing their part. So I think that, you know, the crowd factor should help Kentucky because you look at Miami, Ohio, who is projected to finish second in their division in the map behind Kent State. Um, there's They did not play well on the world road last year they went one and six uh they didn't really play in that many tough environments the toughest probably nippered stadium in cincinnati i don't think minnesota when they went up there had much of a crowd that day um so i think i think that'll help kentucky i think that's why i think they'll probably pull away in the in the second half but this is a pretty good this is a pretty good miami team and the biggest thing with this miami team is they have a really good quarterback um i mean gabbert who's the the younger brother of blaine gabbert the uh Tampa Bay Buccaneers backup, former first-round pick, mm-hmm. you know, Brett Gabbert. He, last year, his numbers uh really good. I'm trying to pull them up real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, He was a – this was his second full year as the starter. 2,648 yards, completed almost 60%, 26 touchdowns, six picks. Uh, third team all-Mac, and he missed three games due to injury, but – that's, those are pretty damn good numbers, and he's mm-hmm. on that Manning Award list. And again, he's got the NFL pedigree in his blood too. So, uh, you know, when you have a good quarterback and you have some good returners like Miami Ohio does, um, it could it could lead to things a little slow in Week One. But you would hope by end of the third quarter or the fourth quarter, the game is in hand, and you're not biting your nails Week One. Right, right. So yeah, um, and of course, all eyes will be on. Offense, kind of like last year, everybody couldn't wait to see what what uh, Liam Cohen's offense was going to do, and, and with the change and the balance, and and now the same thing. It's similar, but still, how different will it be? And, and yeah, who uh, who can kind of get off and have a big game? How will Levis look? Will he have you know a big passing day? And you know how will these freshman receivers hold up in their first game? All those things. Or yeah, we're gonna finally get have you know questions we're gonna get answers to come Saturday night. Yeah, and and the offensive line that's the, yeah. to me I think that's the biggest concern on this entire roster, uh, especially now that Kenneth Horsey's banged up. I mean, look, you've got one returning starter Saturday, and he's playing a new position. So you have you know every all five guys are new, and again, I mean, Tayshawn Manning is really experienced, but mm-hmm. um, so that that you feel pretty good about at left guard. But I mean, both tackles, Jeremy Flax, we've seen he struggled. I mean, if you remember that Citrus Bowl, oof, it wasn't great for him, and I hope I, I I hope to see big improvement from him. I think he talked about this spring that this coaching staff is really the new offensive line coach Zach Yenzer has mm-hmm. really helped them out. So maybe there's something there. Uh, David Wallabog making his first career start. He's only ever played in two games. Yeah. Uh, and then behind him, DeAndre Buford hasn't played much. And mm-hmm. Keontae Goodwin, as you know, big of a recruit as he was, he's never played a down a college ball. So uh, there's a lot of questions with the offensive line. I think, um, again, that unit, like I said about the receivers, they got to have a good game this week one. Uh, Miami, Ohio lost their two best pass rushers from last year to the transfer portal. Um, they don't have much. Uh, I think their top defensive lineman returning only had a sack and a half. He's a nose tackle. Um, so their pass rush is not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be just big for them to kind of put up a put a statement together, hold to one or two sacks max, uh, you know, push on the run in the run game 
have a good run day and gain some confidence. I think just say, okay, I belong here uh, mm-hmm. type of thing, because, you know, it could, it'll get unforgiving next week uh, against Florida. Yeah. On the road at the swamp, hot, they're going to be hot. excited, uh, which I don't know, maybe we'll see how they do against Utah, but it's still the buzz about Billy Napier getting the damn mullen taste out of their mouth. So they're still going to be, for the most part, excited about that. It's and, the Gators. They're always yeah. going to be a threat. I mean, they're always going to have dudes. I don't, again, I've been pretty down on them. I don't think they're going to have a great year this year just because uh, Billy Napier's kind of got to build that culture and get his own guys in the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're going to be ready to go. <laughs> you know that. Uh, they want to, you know, for them, it's a game they should win every year still. And yeah. they want to get the bad taste from last year out of their mouth. So mm-hmm. uh, they'll be ready. And I think their defensive line is one of the strong suits of their entire team. So you got to just build confidence on the offensive line this week. And even if they do lose to Utah, it's, it's the first conference game. So they you know, for both teams. Oh, yeah. And they'll be even more. Mo- they don't want to go. When's the last time <laughs> Florida's gone 0-2, if they ever have? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I mean, <laughs> I mean before I, before we were born, and I'm and it wouldn't just be zero and two; it'd be zero and two with two losses at the swamp to start the year. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be uh, they'd be calling for Billy Napier's head right away. <laughs> yeah. He'd be in <laughs> he'd be in Scott Frost territory right after. Oh my! Yeah, well, Scott Frost has earned that uh, that territory. <laughs> he enhanced it Saturday. <laughs> oh my! What is he? What is he doing? Like. You have the game. His logic was just so messed up because he said the right thing. They they were up 11. Uh, they had the game in control. They were the better team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why would you give them new life? Yeah. What? Just yeah. keep if, – if you're kicking their ass that well, why just keep playing defense? Like, yeah. what are you doing? And then uh, that – and then he said something else. He said something about uh, we couldn't foresee them – yeah, we couldn't foresee them. Points. Well, y'all just scored fourteen straight points. That's why you had the the twenty eight seventeen lead. So and you're the you're Nebraska, not Alabama. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Yeah, I'm. We'll see how long that one lasts. Uh, that was that was brutal. That was the that was a fun game. Let's say to kick off the college season. I, I don't think it gets much better than that one. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. Uh... I saw Cameron Drummond for the Herald Leader. He tweeted out, uh, which we had him on to talk. Uh, well, some women's basketball last year, but he yeah he said if you get time, just just tune in to some sort of Nebraska sports radio. And I I did tune in, and it, it was what you would think. It's it was brutal, it was really, right? The natives were restless, <laughs> and they they're done. Especially if you spend uh-huh. money to go to Dublin and watch that. Ooh, that. that that athletic program is just down bad right now. I mean, you got two pretty big names. Remember, Fred Hoiberg is the basketball coach, and they win like two games a year. <laughs> that's a guy who was coaching the Chicago Bulls not too mm-hmm. long ago. That's right. That's right. So um, I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, it's, mm. it's rough out there. Um, Desmond Howard did, aside <laughs> from his player predictions, he, he did oh, pick boy. Kentucky as a sleeper. For you know, <laughs> so, playoff predictions are what yeah, I'm laughing at. That they are, yeah, because Texas A&M, Baylor, Michigan, and Pitt were his. Yeah. Favorite, so. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Which. Yeah, but uh, I agree with I. I do think Kentucky's a sleeper just yeah. because mm-hmm. uh, they have a chance to win a division in the SEC. So I mean, theoretically, if they're going to win this division, 
they're gonna have to go eleven and one. To, oh, they're gonna have to go eleven and one. I, I just don't think uh, Georgia is gonna lose more than one game. I, I, they're just that good, mm-hmm. um, and that loss would have to be to Kentucky. Uh, so because if Kentucky were to lose two conference games, uh, they can't. I mean, I don't even know if, if Georgia comes in undefeated. Uh, and Kentucky, you know, Kentucky already has two conference losses. It's not going to matter. Georgia's right. already going to have won the division, mm-hmm. so uh, they're going to have to go eleven and one. So if you go eleven and one in the SEC, you, you already have a shot to be a playoff team. Yep. And then you know we'll see what would happen in the SEC championship game. If they win that, they're a lock. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I could definitely see them as a sleeper. I, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. Uh, but uh, I, I definitely think they could be kind of where they were maybe a step above uh, in 2018 where I think they finished, I want to say they were like nine at the end of the year, maybe 10 or they were, I think their, nine was their high watermark. I think they finished as number 12, mm-hmm. uh, but I, th- I think they could finish in the top 10 overall uh, in that last playoff standings for sure. Uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know if they're going to make the playoff just because if they get into that SEC championship game, uh, I, I don't, I don't see anyone beating Alabama period this year no. other than maybe Ohio state. So uh, it's just going to be, that's going to be a tough one to win. <laughs> yeah, that's why, which, you know, we had our, we did our playoff picks with Jalen Whitlow the other, the other day. And then they, they posted them on, you know, the believe Twitter posted yeah. picks. But neither one of us had Kentucky. I mean, we had Alabama. Yeah. So we had Kentucky. They go eleven and one, like Chris Doring said. Beat Georgia, lose to Bama. So that's why I, I didn't put I them just, in the in the playoff. Yeah, you know? but I think I think if they don't, I think fans would be pretty thrilled with the Sugar Bowl because that would probably be what that ends up with. I think that's got to be. It's amazing we're talking about Kentucky football this way, but I, I from I just think it's. You know, a playoff, not the play, the playoffs would be great, but it, it's a, it's a, a group, uh, New Year's six game or bust. I really do. I think that's how the fan base is viewing it. I, you know, I go on Dick Gabriel's show every Monday and he asked me, you know, do you think, what do you think an acceptable season would be another Citrus Bowl like year? And I said, I, I don't think so. I honestly think they've r- risen the stakes so high. Uh, and there's been so much hype. And, you know, like you said, Chris Doring with his pick, uh, people do listen to that and people do expect that um, when these guys like that say something. Um, so if they, if they don't reach a New Year's Six Bowl, I, I could see the fan base being bombed. I really can. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair because no. I think I think they could easily be nine and three. That's that's my prediction is nine and three, yeah. uh, which is the same as last year, which is still pretty damn good. Yes. But. Another but nine and three is fine, and that's I mean, where the but that's where the expectations are. There, think about it. These are the same fans that think Kentucky basketball has to win a natty every single year. Yes, yes, that's true. And you know, I, I think I think one of the titles of these episodes I put last year. Look, nine and threes don't grow on trees. They don't. No. And look, even Stoop said, you know, if we go at, go ten and two. I'm not looking to give up anything. So he's he's even bristling at 10 and 2. He's oh he's yeah going to come in, of course, winning every single game. And everybody does. But if they if they go nine and three again, just look at where they were a few short years ago. I I can't be mad at nine I, and three again. I can't either. I, 
I'd love a 10-win regular season because that hasn't happened since 77. To already have 10 before you go to your bowl game, that'd be great. But if if they do like Stoops has done, we saw 2-10, 5-7, 5-7, 7-5, 7-5. So are we in line for 9-3, 9-3? If that's yeah. the case, let's, there will be people upset, but I, I can't be in the upset camp at 9-3. Uh, I, I can't either, mm-hmm. and I, I think, and I think a lot of people are looking at it this way. Also, you're you're inevi- I think next year, I don't. It's too early to predict next year, but you lose Will Levis, so you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. And then you look at uh, who's looming on the schedule. Alabama's coming to town, <laughs> so you already feel like you're you know you're zero and one in conference play, <laughs> you know before it even starts. Mm-hmm. And then obviously. Uh, you have a road, you know, you have George on the road next year. So yeah. um, I think people are kind of already taking into account. This is probably their best shot at it uh, to win this division and yeah. maybe get that playoff, you know, playoff <laughs> trip or at least the New Year's six, uh, because, you know, the schedule next year is daunting. And again, you're losing a potential first round pick at quarterback. But yeah, that's where the but <laughs> I, I, I do think. You can't complain with nine and three. I, and again, that's my prediction. I see them losing the Georgia game. I can't pick them to win at Neyland at a full Neyland until they do it. I'm, yeah. I just can't. Yeah. And I think Ole Miss is such a toss up right now. I have it as a loss for now, mm. but we'll see how Ole Miss looks uh, the first four weeks. I'm not official on that prediction. Yeah. Uh, but, but man, I just I don't think the fan base would accept it. I really don't, and that's a, it. Just tells you uh, where this thing has grown, and that's a credit to Mark Stoops for creating those expectations. That's true. Uh, but this year, he's not going to. Ha- you know, he always says he likes to fly under the radar. He doesn't have that option anymore. Uh, this yeah. program's too. Go- this program's too good for that. Mm-hmm. That's true. And with the departures that they're going to, you know, incur after the end of this season. Yeah, the linebackers too. And is is recruiting still disappointing for next year's class? What what so caused this dip to where people are? I'm not a huge recruiting guy. I'd kind yeah. of wait and see who who they get when they get them. But you cover it, and you know Justin Rollins mm-hmm. and yourselves who see who's on the offer list, commitment list. What's kind of causing it to not be what they have been doing? Yeah, I think I do think that uh, there is some concern. They're behind the eight ball with the NIL stuff and mm-hmm. just figuring out uh, all that. I think that is actually what it is. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> people. Enough. Yeah, I think basketball still kind of. Re- that's why, you know, some of this stuff that Cal says is ridiculous because basketball recruits itself. You know, they're dealing with some of the same NIL issues. But, you know, when you play for Kentucky basketball, you can get through with other things that aren't necessarily organized by the university for NIL. So that's why they're still able to recruit at such a high level. But football, I think they're working through some kinks. I think there's a lot of work to be done on Mitch Barnhart's side. Uh, and I think that's causing a lot of the slow up. And, uh, you know, if you look at kind of how Kentucky's done, you know, just getting commitments, some of the guys they haul in are late. Like if you remember, Josiah Hayes was a it uh, was a um, signing day surprise. Mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't ink officially ink Kyanta Goodwin until the last second last year. Yeah, I mean, he, he almost yeah. ended up at Michigan State. It was right. this close. Yep. So they they've had a couple of dark horses where they've been able to come in late and get guys. 
Um, and the numbers game, you know, they have a, you know, we talked about some of the guys they're going to lose. They also have a lot of young players. So I'm not sure exactly what the scholarship numbers are. And they love the transfer portal. So they're going to use a lot of those scholarships on the transfer portal and yeah. <laughs> definitely at quarterback. <laughs> so uh, I think that was very telling that Deuce Hogan's the backup. Uh, that they don't feel great about Kaya Sher and and Deuce Hogan, they know is not going to be a starter. They have to address the quarterback, maybe two quarterbacks in the portal next year mm-hmm. if they don't get a freshman uh, coming in. So uh, I think I think that's all has to do with it. I think it's really hard to judge though until you have the full class and you have the transfer additions. Because um, I mean, you could judge a lot of teams' recruiting classes, but then. You see what they do in the portal, and it's like, okay, that makes sense. So um, Kentucky's done outstanding in the transfer portal, yeah. I think pretty much as good as anybody mm-hmm. uh, in the SEC. So uh, I, I'm not concerned about it. I know some people on Twitter who are never happy have complained about it yeah. uh, and are concerned, but uh, it's just one person I saw called it unacceptable, and I just rolled my eyes like, you know, come on. But uh, uh, they'll be fine. But yeah, you're right. The the track record, which are you know, football, basketball, I argue any school in the country has done what they've done in the portal when Cal and Stoops. But Stoops' track record in the portal, when you get guys that come in and, and immediately make impact, you know, uh, Rosenthal, Jaquez, Blevis, Wondell goes on and on and on. We'll see what Kedron Smith does this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Stoops' record when he has to, to make hires – for the most part, you know, the early years, and that's Stan and Dawson and, and that kind of stuff. Was and you, but um, you just made a real I want to stop you right there because you made a really good point. Another I, I meant to throw this in there. Another reason they're struggling. They lost John Summerall this offseason. That's going to mm-hmm. take time. Mm-hmm. He's their best Southern recruiter. They lost Steve Klingscale just two years ago. He's their Michigan guy. Mm-hmm. And so there's – and Eric Wolford was doing a pretty good job recruiting too. So that's another part of it. It's just going to take time for Zach Yenzer to build that credibility that mm-hmm. Wolford had and for guys like like Frank Buffano to kind of step up in the Klingscale or Summerall role in recruiting. I know Buffano's going down to Georgia quite a bit. So that that's another key reason there. I just want yeah. to – you hit on a really good point. So I wanted to put yeah. that one out there. Yeah, so he does – he has made good hires, and he's – you know, I think fans want to panic when you think maybe the uh, the uh, compatibility of the staff might be questioned when you have a departure, but he doesn't really seem phased no. by it. He goes out and – I think kind of goes with his gut on who he thinks will come in and fit and do the job. And so far, so good for the most yeah. part the hires he's had to make. Yeah, and usually, I mean, especially the offensive coordinators, that's kind of one the one job where he's kind of really gone out on a limb. If you remember last year, he traveled out to L.A. and met up with Liam and did all that. And this year, you know, he kind of did the same thing, but he had Will with him this time and mm-hmm. uh, let it be a little more open. But, you know, you look at some of the guys he's – a lot of them have just been like, like Frank Buffano has been really good for them. He's an in-house guy. Uh, Chris Collins coming up from Georgia state yeah. uh, has done a really good job. I think that even hiring his brother, Mike Stoops, I mean, yeah, it could seem like, Oh, it's a family thing. No, this is a guy who, who had some really good years as a head coach at Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously did some good things as the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma was mm-hmm. a defensive coordinator at FAU last year. So he's got, got a track record. It's not just cut. And obviously you want to have, it's a brother relationship, whatever, but you'd want to have some <laughs> sort of continuity on the staff. 
So able to keep that was good. And then, you know, Zach Yenzer is a guy who's from here. So I I think he's just doing a good job trying to fill those holes as similarly as possible. Um, But it's with recruiting, it's just inevitably when you lose staff, like look at Clemson, they're probably going to struggle a little bit too. Mm -hmm. They just lost their two coordinators and Tony Elliott's their best recruiter. So um, that's just, that's just goes with it. And I I don't think that the fans who are saying it's unacceptable are realizing, you know, it's hard to replace staff over a year and you got to be pretty happy with where those guys have gone. Cause it's not like you lost them. Like Calipari lost Jay Lucas to the same job. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You got John Som John Somerville's a head coach. That's a promotion. Mm-hmm. Liam Combs, the offensive coordinator for the defending Super Bowl champions. That's yeah. a promotion. And then you had um Steve Clayskill is the only one that you're like, oh man, that sucks. But he's a Michigan guy. He went home. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're losing guys in like and Eric Wolford went to Alabama to work for Nick Saban. So whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're losing guys to become the defensive coordinator at South Carolina or at, you know, mm-hmm. at, at, at Tennessee, you're losing guys to promotions and you tip your cap to that and you credit Mark Stoops for helping develop them to that point. Yeah. Can't argue with any of that. Um, on the fun side too, last thing I saw the, uh, mm-hmm. we've been talking about Scangarillo a lot, but the, the Steve Zahn <laughs> video with Scangarillo. That was good. That was, that was hilarious, man. And he looked a lot like him. A lot like him. And uh, something I was actually talking, I think it was on Dick's show last night. I've been really impressed with how Scan Gorilla has kind of come out of his shell so quickly. He seems to like, you know, this is, he seems to really like it here. Like he isn't, you know, sometimes we were kind of just talking about the coaches. You kind of see guys who are, this is a stepping stone job, right? Like, you know, I'm getting here. So I like to be a head coach one day and that's fine. But he seems like this is like genuinely what he wants to do. He wants to prove he can run this offense. I think he really likes Will Levis. We've all known that. But I think he's become really impressed with what Mark Stoops has built here. He's come really impressed with Lexington, the SEC, the talent there. Uh, And, you know, every week he kind of seems to share more. He just seems happier and happier Mm -hmm. um, and more confident in his group. So uh, I think – you know, I was a little skeptical on the hire just because, you know, you love the NFL experience, but you see like there was a little bit of places where I was like, ah, eh, like, I don't know, San Francisco's offense had some guys last year, but they weren't amazing. And you look at the year he was the OC in Denver, they were horrendous. Uh, <laughs> and that's not necessarily his fault there. You know, there's talent deficiency, but um you know, the way that the offensive guys talk about him, the way Stoops talks about him, the way, you know, during the open practices, we've gotten to see him go about his business. I mean, I and now you see his personality able to come out a little bit in a video like that. Yeah. Um, not, not a lot of coaches make those videos now. So yeah. um, <laughs> really, really impressed with him uh, this offseason and definitely going to be excited to see the product uh, his, his group puts on the field uh, starting on Saturday. Yeah, to go from his initial presser to <laughs> yeah. the end of that video where he's like, "Well, God dang," and that I mean, <laughs> and saying, "I hope I'm here for ten years." Like yeah. what? Like yeah. there, and <laughs> you know, he was taking the uh, even. I you mentioned that first presser, like you know, there was questions because he like you look at his resume, it's like he was at thirty different places in thirty years, and he, he kind of didn't like. I don't know. He kind of rubbed those questions off, but you know, he's able to make fun of himself a little bit with that now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There just seems to be a, a comfort level, uh, mm-hmm. a confidence in his unit that 
I think are encouraging. But again, we won't really know all that much until we see his offense because we just haven't seen it yet. That's it. So SEC Network Plus, going to get that out of the way the first game of the season and get the stream out of the way and and then be on TV the rest of the year. So uh, Are they even even Youngstown State got TV? I I, I thought. And then like SEC Network. You might be. Oh, you I don't know. I'm just surprised Miami Ohio is a better opponent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, get the streaming deal done, first game out of the way. And, um, you know, it's, it's that time. Uh, we – you got to – I mean, we both kind of think it's – of course, expect Kentucky to win, but kind of gradually yeah. pull away. <laughs> gradually kind of pull away and kind of impose their will in the, in the third and fourth quarter and uh, kind of handle business since, you know. Maybe yeah. we even see a faster start than we've seen too. Yeah. We might, we might, but uh, again, I think the big thing with them is they have a pretty good quarterback. So usually, offense is a little bit, a little bit ahead of defense in week one. I mean, I think you saw that in some of the games uh, this week. You look at what Vanderbilt was able to do. You look at what uh, both Northwestern and Nebraska did offensively. Pretty good stuff. Uh, some of the other teams that played. So uh, it's usually pretty high scoring games week one. Uh, I think last year, obviously, Kentucky put up 45. Uh, and then, you know, they've had they had that one game that was 38-24 with Toledo. I think it's going to be like a similar score to that one, like a 38-24, mm-hmm. 38-20 neighborhood, two to three scores. But uh, I, I think Miami, with a good quarterback, is going to be able to hang around a little bit. Absolutely. Well, we'll – Look forward to Saturday to see what happens. As always, yo, uh, we got to tell you about our friends at La Terrain Watches, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. Get yourself a nice timepiece for whatever occasion you got going on. Get you a watch to wear to the game. Don't just want to look at your phone. Get you a watch for men and women. The service doesn't work in there anyway. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You got all kinds of different accessories, the Seafarer, the Atlas, all kinds of great styles to choose from. Go to the site. Throw your question up in the chat so you can get information about the type of watch you're going to purchase. LaTerrain.com. See what Dave and Ben have in store. And tell them you heard about them on the Believe in Kentucky podcast. If anybody else is interested in getting their business or product promoted on this podcast, go to Believe, B-L-E-A-V.com slash advertise. Just type a little message about what you got, what you want to uh, have promoted, and they'll get uh, in contact with you at the network. Get you something affordable. Uh, you want a little script or something for Aaron and I to read? We'll promote what you got to all the listeners out there. Uh, so, AG, man, you got to get to the presser. Uh, yeah, man. Saturday will be here soon. So, appreciate all the knowledge. Uh, and we'll look forward to your work on the Cats Pause as well. And y'all will hear from us a little bit more as the season approaches. Mm-hmm. We'll be doing some preview and recap episodes and Got all kind of good, fun stuff for y'all coming up. So uh, that'll do it for us here now. For my man, Aaron Gershon, my name is Vinny Hardy. Follow us both on the Twitter streets and check out upcoming episodes right here at Believe.com. We'll see everybody next week after this Miami of Ohio game. Everybody take care. Be safe out there.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.